how's everybody doing? You awake? You alive? Um, if you would, go to First uh, Corinthians and we might go to chapter 12. So, um, First Corinthians, go to 12, and we'll see where we go from there. So, um, you know, what she was singing there at the end uh, about union, I was speaking on that yesterday morning, and she was singing, we, we say yes, saying yes to union with the Lord. Really, here's, here's kind of the bottom line with this, is that the moment you said yes to Jesus, when you became born again, you said yes to union with God, whether you understood that or not. I know I didn't. I thought, ooh, I'm forgiven, and someday I'll go to heaven, but I didn't understand that he who is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Okay, as I mentioned yesterday out of 1 Corinthians 6, 17, um, and then that Trinitarian sandwich that I mentioned yesterday out of John 14, 20, where Jesus said, on that day you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. That is unity. And so this common phrase that Paul uses over and over again is in Christ, and specifically Colossians 1, 27, where he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that we are in Christ. And really, that's a covenant term that when we were adopted, when we got saved, we were brought into this covenant union. And so as she starts singing and talking about that at the end with our brothers and sisters, that extrapolates it even further out of going, it's, one, it's amazing to say, okay, I'm one, I've been made one in spirit with the Lord. I'm in Christ. But then it's another thing to go, okay, so if you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, then we're in union. That's, that gets a little more scary. <laughs> Nothing against you personally, but the fact is, how many know God's perfect? He's never failed once. You and I, we can't say the same about us, right? That's a little more that's a, that's a little more vulnerable in that sense that God is perfect, but you and I, we, there's still some areas God's working on in our lives. And so he's, he's maturing us, and it's one thing to say I'm in union with a holy, perfect God who never fails, but then also I'm in union with my brothers and sisters, and we all come from all kinds of different backgrounds, and we all have different Things going on in our lives, different thought process, different personalities, different styles, and yet if we really understand, if we really believe what the Bible says, that we've been brought into union with God, then we are in union with one another. And if you're like, ah, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that language, oh, okay, just go to what Paul says, that we're one body, and can, can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? You can't do that. I mean, I don't have multiple bodies. I have one body with different parts. I don't wake up in the morning and go, gee, which body am I going to use today? No, it's just it's one body that functions. And so I just, I just want to share that from a teaching perspective about what she was singing at the end that really correlates with what um, I touched on yesterday sometime, one of those sessions. I don't remember which one. but um, So um, 
Yeah, I know that um, Pastor Dave invited some people to share some testimonies um, this morning for what God's been doing. And uh, so some of you shared some of those testimonies. But Zach, would you be willing to come up front and share it? So that way people can hear it on the mic. Um, so just wanted to give him that opportunity. And uh, yeah, tell us what God's been doing. Yeah, uh, so yesterday uh, morning in uh, one of the services that was uh, happening in the morning, I had a vision, and uh, I saw a soldier, um, and he was uh, standing there, um, you know, with just battle fatigues. He has the bulletproof vest and night vision goggles and a, a rifle in his hands, you know, <clears throat> and I knew that his name was Hoot, like an owl, Hoot, 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 you know, and, uh, and I said, Lord, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Why is his name Hoot? And the Lord told me um, that's because he's a night watchman. And he's really, really good at what he does, but he never sleeps. He doesn't ever rest. And I saw the Lord on this bench, and he just wanted Hoot to kind of sit down. And so Hoot would sit down, but I, I could see that his service weapon was hot. His rifle, it was loaded, it had a round in the chamber, and the safety was not engaged. So he would never rest, he could never sleep, and also he was potentially dangerous. And I saw the Lord reach over to him on this bench and just flip on the safety, and he said to him, I'm going to take this watch. And so, you know, sometimes in ministry we feel like um, we're more used to battle than rest. We're more used to going out and taking the, the mountain than we are letting God build up the things inside of us that we need to have. But uh, I just wanted to share with you the word that God shared with me. He'll take this watch. You don't have to be on guard today. You don't have to figure out what's right and what's not right. Let God minister to you, and Jesus will take this watch. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes the most holy thing you can do is take a nap. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. Um, that's why I was not here this morning when Pastor Dave was ministering, and now that I'm here, he's back at the room resting for a little bit. So thank you for that word. Um, yeah, so um, before we look at this real quick, uh, in First Corinthians, um, I was just remembering uh, an interesting story from some of my international travels a little bit ago that I just felt like sharing. Um, so, I um, I minister a lot in Spanish uh, in Latin America, and uh, my Portuguese was super limited until a few years ago, until I really just kind of took a deep dive into Portuguese. And uh, the good, the, the thing with um, Portuguese, the good news is that it's similar to Spanish. The bad news is it's very similar to Spanish, and um, um, which can create some challenges. So, um, anyways, uh, so the the first. Yeah, my first ministry invitation to Brazil was about 10 years ago, and I was in the capital city of Brasilia doing a conference, and um, 
I remember we, it was a short trip because of some complications. But anyways, uh, our team, we get there. There's a couple other people with that I was traveling with. We get there, and um, the pastor goes to pick us up. Um, he picked me up at the airport, and then the other team went with some other people. So me and the pastor are driving from the airport to his house, and he's going on in Portuguese, and I am speaking my portuñol, my uh, Spanish with just a little bit of Portuguese that I'm speaking in. And he doesn't understand me, and I don't understand him. And it's a long ride. I, I can hear him fine, but I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. And um, so, uh, so it was an adjustment with the Portuguese. So I was trying to get my mind wrapped around the Portuguese. So I'm staying at this hotel, and I'm ministering at this conference. And one morning before I leave for the, to go to the conference in the morning, I decided I'm going to leave a little bit of money on the bed to bless the, uh, the gals who clean the rooms, give them a tip. So I left that morning, went to the conference, ministered, came back in the afternoon. I get back to my room, and it's totally clean. And they cleaned up the room, but the tip is still on the bed. I'm like, ah, they didn't get the message that, you know, they came in to clean, but they didn't take the tip. So before I'm going to get picked up to go back to the church to minister that night, I go down to the uh, lobby, and I, and I go up to the front desk, and I'm trying to tell them, with my Spanish and very limited little Portuguese mixed in, trying to tell them, hey, I left the tip for the cleaning gals on the bed, and they didn't take it. I wanted them to have it, da-da-da. And so I'm telling this guy at the front desk, and she's looking at me like, this ain't making sense. And then I don't know what she's saying, but she, it sounds like she's talking to somebody else back behind in an office going, hey, do you know what he's saying? That's my interpretation of it. Do you know what he's saying? Because I don't get what he's saying. So it was really communication mess. Well, finally, the translator from the church arrives because they're going to bring me to the church. And I said, oh, thank God you're here. I want you to, can you help explain this? Because I was telling her I left the propina, which is the word in Spanish for tip. I left the propina to bless the gals who clean the rooms. And uh, she said, you left a what? I said, yeah, la propina. I said, that's tip, right? She said, I don't know what you're trying to say, but here in Brazil, the word propina means a mordida. Uh, yeah, it's a, it technically means a little bite, but uh, it means a bribe. So what I was telling her was, hey, I left a little bit of bribe on the bed in the hotel room for the cleaning gals. As the guest speaker for this conference at this church, I left a bribe for the cleaning gals on the bed. Not very well. It, it, that's just... In spite of that, God moved in the meetings anyways, but that was... So that is, that is a language challenge you run into. Sometimes it's great to just learn the language of the place that you're going to and speak it well. Other times it's wise to just leave it alone and just completely depend on a translator. Um, for the testimonies that I missed from this morning, I'd like to hear them later. Um, but uh, let me ask you this. I know not everybody that's here right now was here last night, but was there anybody who was uncomfortable with anything going on last night? Anybody? Like, you can simultaneously have God touch you and still be uncomfortable with what's going on, okay? So here's the thing. I, I want to encourage you, again, uh, that 
God is really good. We are called to put our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Regardless of what you feel or don't feel in a meeting, you are not required anywhere in Scripture to have a manifestation. Okay? Um, you don't have to experience what everybody else is experiencing. You get to connect with God the Father right where you're at. My challenge would be to just simply be open to whatever God wants to do. And not force him into a box either way. Um, but to give the Holy Spirit freedom to do what he wants to do and give yourself freedom for whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, it's not a one-size-fits-all. God is a God of diversity. There's different expressions, different gifts, different callings, different anointings, and different um, flavors of his presence when his presence comes. And so just give yourself freedom with that. Um, Yeah, I think it's just really wise and really healthy to just say, Father, here I am. I want to commune with you, and I want everything that Jesus paid for. I want to receive everything that Jesus paid for me to receive, and I want to be free from everything that Jesus paid for me to be free from. Get the bad stuff out, bring the good stuff in. Hope that's not too complicated of a theology, but I think that's pretty safe. So, um, so with that, yeah. We just get to enjoy the goodness of the Lord, and in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures evermore. He's a good God. Amen. I want to look just real briefly this afternoon um, at uh, spiritual gifts and uh, specifically uh, words of knowledge. In general, the prophetic, but words of knowledge in connection to healing. And so I want you to look at this. 1 Corinthians 12. Starts off with, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be misinformed. It's nicer than a lot of versions say, ignorant. But he's talking about spiritual gifts here. Then, right at, in the middle of that, you jump into verse 12, and he starts talking about one, one body with many members. We just talked about that a moment ago, our union in the body of Christ with one another. Shared about it at lunch, about honoring different parts of the body of Christ. Why is that important? Why does Paul, when he's talking about spiritual gifts, all of a sudden interject this thing about the body? It's because we all have different gifts. And the tendency, I think a strategy of the enemy, is to do one of two things with us when it comes to spiritual gifts. And that is to inf for us to have an inflated view of our gift over others. So, well, the gift that I've received is more important than any other area in the church. And I, I mean, you know, I guess the other gifts are nice, but the one that I have is the most important. And by golly, if they don't have the gift that I have, we ain't going to survive. We're dependent on the gifting God's given me. And that's not helpful. That's pride and that's deception. I think the flip side to that would be the other strategy of the enemy is my gifts aren't really needed. I mean, I'm not like those other people over there that do that with such excellence, and they're so gifted in that area, and all I have is one, my little gift here. And where the enemy wants us, instead of inflating the value of our gifts, to come against us with accusation and minimize what God's given us. And that is equally uh, dangerous. 
we want to celebrate one another. We want to celebrate the different gifts in the body of Christ. And um, my wife is an amazing woman. She's an amazing woman of God. And she is greatly gifted in different ways. Um, I've said a number of times over the last several years that I have, personally, I have the gift of administration, and her name is Beth. I am so thankful for that. Um, because thankfully out of my covenant union with her, I get the benefit of those gifts. Like I didn't, per I don't have the gift of administration in my own self, but I'm married to her. And because of our union, I get those gifts. And we are to be in covenant. Number one, we're in covenant with God because of what Jesus did. And out of that union with one another, we get to receive the giftings from one another. Okay. So he starts off by, uh, with chapter 12, talking about spiritual gifts. Then he gets into one body with many members. And then we jump down to chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. And then he jumps out of this theme into, uh, well, we'll just, chapter 13 starts off with, um, the, the famous portion of that's it's all about love, but he wraps it up with saying, verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So you see sandwiched in there between teaching on the gifts of the Spirit is love. And the reason why that's so important is because in our limitations of our humanity, though we are being grafted into Christ, nonetheless, we still retain our humanity, just like Jesus is fully God and fully man. We have been made one with the Lord, yet we're still human, and we can get off track and getting enamored with gifts and forgetting about the whole purpose of the gifts is love. And so whatever our take on the prophetic or words of any, any, any facet of the prophetic, okay, um, whether it's words of knowledge, words of knowledge related to healing, any kind of prophetic flow, it all has to be rooted in love. And if it's not flowing out of a place of love, then uh, we're not hitting the target. I'll put it that way. And um, so it's interesting, though. I think we live with this tension here because there are, I, this, this is my experience, okay? I think there's some portions of the body of Christ that reads this and they will say, look, Paul just said here, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And then specifically, the next one says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, it's all empty, okay? So we don't need all this crazy prophetic stuff. We don't need all this revelatory stuff. All we need is love. Well, if that's the only passage you focused on, that might be the conclusion that you come to. But Paul's not saying, don't engage in the prophetic. He's just saying, if all you do is engage in the prophetic, but you don't have love, then it's not good enough. So he goes on and he addresses other things as well and saying, hey, you could do all these different things like giving to the poor, giving your body as a sacrifice, offer it up as a martyr. You could do all these other things. But if it's not done out of love, does that mean we shouldn't give to the poor? No. It just means we just need to make sure whatever we're doing is rooted in love. 
And so the heart of man, it's just tricky, okay? I'm, you know, I was sharing yesterday that as a new covenant believer, I've been infused with divine DNA. I've been born again from above. My heart is not deceitfully wicked, but I can be tripped up and deceived. You ever thought you were doing something for God for one reason and then God exposed you had a whole other motive for it? And it wasn't even necessarily like, oh, man, my, my motives are completely evil. It's just, wow, I didn't realize that was part of my motivation. Am I the only one who's ever had that happen? Okay. So we've had that happen. And, and so there's all kinds of things in this passage, great things that can be done. He's like, if I did this and this and this and this, and he's got a big old list of all these wonderful things to do, Godly, spiritual, wonderful things to do, but if I don't do it rooted in love, then it's empty. Paul's not saying don't do those things or discount them. He's just saying make sure you do it in love. Um, because when you read further down, so some, some people in the body of Christ read that and just go, yeah, see, we don't need all that prophetic stuff because we, we just need love. But it's amazing that right after he gets done with this love chapter, and he says, the greatest of these is love. He says, pursue love. Hallelujah. Like a good evangelical. Pursue love. And that is absolutely true. God anointed Paul to write that in the canon of Scripture right here. Pursue love. If we don't have love, all that, all, everything else is empty if we don't have it. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Okay. So it's not one or the other. It's both. He's just putting it in proper perspective and proper order, saying, pursue the gifts, but what has to come foundational and first is love. So that whatever we do, whatever we're going to pursue in the kingdom of God, it has to be established in love. So it's not one or the other. It's not like, hey, you shouldn't pursue spiritual gifts. It, Pastor Dave even alluded to it, yes, I think it was yesterday, talking about you know, uh, the phrase of seek his face and not his hand. Um, and I think that's well-intentioned, and I understand that phrase. Like, my priority with my relationship with God should be intimacy with Him and not just being used by Him. Um, but when it's all said and done, um, I think when you look at this passage of Scripture, we would recognize that we get to pursue His face and His hand, so to speak, okay? I want to pursue this intimate relationship with the Lord, but also, Paul clearly says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Um, my understanding of that is, is that in the Greek, really, it's like lust after spiritual gifts. Okay? I know we usually think of lust in a very negative, term, negative way, but this, when he's talking about this earnest desire, it's passionately pursue spiritual gifts. And then he says, especially that you may prophesy. Let's jump down here and go on to verse 3. It says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Different versions put it different ways, but basically it's for the strengthening, the encouragement, the building up of the body of Christ. If I walk in love, I'm going to want to build up and encourage the body of Christ. That is a heart of love for the body. Um, 
this making sense so far? Okay. So that is, that is just having it in um, proper context. Now, I'm going to tell you um, that when it comes to, uh, like, okay, I just happened to be the one that was given this session. Pastor Dave um, is not sharing on this. Um, he does a great job teaching um, on the prophetic. Um, there's um, a lot of great wisdom and insight that he has. I'm just going to tell you simply that there are mysteries to the prophetic that I don't fully understand. Sorry if that disappoints you that I don't have all the answers, but it's just, it's just true. Sorry, I'm not going to make up stuff and pretend I know things I don't. I do know God's good, and I do know that he speaks today, okay? And here's what I love about this is that for whatever your view on the prophetic is, one thing that I, that I feel is foundational about it is simply that Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And Jesus lived in such a way where he was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit, and he said, I only speak what the Father's speaking. So Jesus lived out of this place of intimate friendship and communion as a son of God, relating to the Father, listening for the Father's voice. And he spoke the things that he heard his father say. If you want to call that prophetic, that's fine. But Jesus didn't use the word prophetic. Obviously, Paul is talking about the prophetic here, what we just read. But Jesus is saying, I just live in this place of communion with the father. I am fixated and focused on the father. And when he speaks, I listen. And when he tells me to speak it out, I'll speak it out. And I think that helps simplify some of the complexities that we deal with when it comes to the prophetic, where, just personal opinion, okay? I think, uh, I think part of what we have in the church at large is we have, on, on, on one hand, um, where Paul says, don't despise prophecy, where we have a portion of the body of Christ that despises, they reject the prophetic gift. And they just blow it off, and they're like, don't need that. That's too weird. I've been burned by that. I think there's just a bunch of charismatic freaks. Don't need that. Um, some, of, some people came to that conclusion, like theologically, that they just believe that the gifts aren't for today. Other people are like, I used to believe they were. I was a part of a church that was all full of this prophetic stuff, and boy, we got burnt on that. And so now I don't want anything to do with it. And I get that. So you have some people in that camp. Then on the other hand, you have um, people who really embrace the prophetic. And they're going to be a prophetic people and a prophetic church and a prophetic anointing and prophetic banners and prophetic eyelashes. And Okay, I've, actually, I've never heard of that, but I'm saying prophetic, prophetic, whatever it is, it's going to be prophetic. Call now for $4.99, prophetic nail clippers. Hallelujah. You're cutting away at the enemy's schemes every time you... I don't know. Okay. I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't heard that advertised. But, but I'm just saying that there's... The other extreme is everything's prophetic. Okay? And, um, and, I, and I guess my... Where I'm at today in my life is simply that if we are sons who are called to live life 
in union with the Father, advancing his kingdom, then whatever his kingdom purposes are on the earth, to glorify Jesus, to see souls saved, to see people set free, the prophetic only really makes sense within that framework. Does that make sense? Because then the prophetic isn't a toy that I play with. Although there's a place for experimentation where I'm learning and growing, but it's not this like little side toy that I play with. If there's a purpose for it. And, and so Paul gives us some of the description of the purposes for the edification of the body of Christ. Um, so, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to so magnify one gift where I get way off balance and f- lose sight of Jesus in the kingdom and who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do, his mission on the earth, to see his, the gospel of the kingdom advance. I don't want to do that. But neither do I want to fall into this camp over here that doesn't believe that God is still speaking today and that God's still releasing things today, that God is still moving today, that God's still pouring out his spirit, and that God still speaks today. I don't want to fall into that theological camp. Neither do I want to just have a theology that says, yes, I believe biblically that God speaks today, but I'm too scared to even hear his voice, and I'm too scared to step out to even receive a prophetic word because I don't want to be deceived again. I don't want to be hurt again. And we're, where we go, we grow cold and cynical toward the moving of the Spirit and anything prophetic. I don't want to fall into that. Is this making sense? So, again, I would bring it back to Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And... Um, I want to I want to encourage you with this. Um, the, over the last couple, of, yesterday I don't know it all blends together, but I think it was yesterday where I was le- when I would get done teaching, I would lead us in these prayers. Where we're just praying back what the Bible says. I mean, remember that from Colossians three twelve. Okay, we are we are uh, chosen, holy, and dearly loved, and we're just praying that back. We're not begging Him to do something. We're just thanking Him for what His Word already says about us. Right. Okay, so, so it's always good and it's always wise to come into agreement with the word, but part of the reason why I'm having us pray that back to the Father is because when these meetings are done and we all go our separate ways with our responsibilities in life, you can, you know, forget about whoever was speaking up here with the mic. The fact is, you all can take your Bible, open it up, and read what... Paul says, and use that as a platform to pray it back to God. That's not too difficult. That's not too mystical. That's not for the super anointed prophet. That's just all of us get to take the word and declare it back to God and thank him that it's true, regardless of what we feel. And so that's what I was leading us in with what God declares over us. And so I want to encourage you as well with just this, these simple thoughts. Okay, if you've never talked to yourself this way, and let's face it, we all talk to ourselves, okay? Most of us have the common sense not to, not to answer ourselves out loud in public, but we all have a conversation going on in our head. 
But I want to encourage you to talk to yourself like this. And when I say, I, I'm talking about the conversation that goes through it. So it's both dialogue with God and the dialogue we have with ourselves. Father, I thank you that hearing your voice is the most natural thing. See, so many times, and I, I'm, you've probably experienced it, you've heard other people talk about it, but some, we say things like this, man, it's so hard to know God's voice, it's so hard to hear God's voice, and, and I understand there's different things that can interfere, and sometimes we're trying to figure out what's the voice of God, what's not, and there's a process that we go through of discerning when is it the Lord speaking, and when is it something else, and that, that's an important key, but I think when we start out and our, if our default position is, it's so hard to hear God's voice. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't think I'm one of those people that can hear his voice. It's so hard. And then someone says, hey, why don't you listen for the voice of God? You're like, oh, really strain hard to hear him. Elijah, can you hear me? He's shaking his head yes. So my son can hear me. That wasn't too complicated. I'm his father. He's my son. He heard my voice. I think that's the way God designed it to be as his sons and daughters. We were created to hear the Father's voice. And what I didn't see Elijah doing just now is, oh, I don't know. Hold on, Dad. It's really hard. Let, let, me, go, let me go fast for 10 days first, and I'll come back and see if I can hear you on the microphone. Oh, Dad, it's so hard to hear your voice. Dad, would you please just be a little louder? Could they turn the mic up? He's not doing that. He just heard my voice. And so I want to encourage you in the process when it comes to the prophetic is to get your mind renewed and begin to just thank God that it's easy for you to hear his voice. Because chances are if you think it's too hard, it's going to be too hard for you. If you think it's going to be really difficult and complicated... It's going to be hard for you to hear his voice. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you are convinced in your heart that you are disqualified from hearing the voice of God and only the prophet who goes on a 40-day fast can hear his voice and you've never fasted 40 days and you're not a prophet, then you're going to think, well, I guess that's not for me. See, one of the things about the new covenant is we all get in on this. We all get to hear his voice. In the Old Testament, it was for the special elect prophets that God raised up, and the prophet spoke to everybody else, and like, well, I don't know what God's saying, but we got to see what the prophet says. The prophet's going to come to town, I guess we're going to find out what God thinks. And they were left to themselves until the prophet showed up, and they happened to be around, they didn't even have Facebook Live, they didn't have Instagram, they didn't, they didn't have access, you know, so it's just like, they had to physically be around where the prophet was. But we're under the new covenant. And all of us, as sons and daughters, get to hear the Father's voice. And that is an amazing privilege. It's also fun. That's an amazing privilege that you and I have in the new covenant, that we get to hear the voice of God. So I like to thank God. Father, I thank you that it's easy to hear your voice. I thank you that I'm the son that you speak to. I thank you, Jesus. You said, my sheep know my voice. And I get to hear you. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that it is the most natural thing for me. And this is, this is how I like to talk. Father, I thank you that it's so natural 
for me to hear your voice. Because it's not something that's incongruent with my nature. I have been grafted in. I've been adopted. His DNA is now on the inside of me. If I've been made one with the Spirit of God, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.17, if, if I've been united with him and I've been made one, don't you think if I'm in union with him, it'd probably be fairly common and fairly easy for me to hear his voice? So if we think only in terms of separation, that God is way up there, out there, somewhere in the universe beyond the Milky Way, reigning on his throne, and yes, he reigns and rules in the heavens, but if all we think of it is in that context, and I'm just this one little peon here on the earth, and I'm trying to convince God up in the heavens to speak to me, yeah, that can be a little overwhelming, intimidating. But when I recognize the spirit of the living God dwells inside of me. I've been adopted in. I'm a branch. He's the vine, and we're connected. He is a good father, and he loves to speak to his children. Lord, what are you saying today? What do you want me to know? Lord, I thank you that you love me. You like me. You delight in me. You are not reluctant to speak to me. I will tell you, I, I, I think one of the most, the things that... It helped me better. I'll say this. I'm not going to speak in terms of getting God to speak to me because I think he's speaking all the time. The question is, are we hearing? What, it, what graced me to hear and recognize his voice more was simply when I got a greater revelation of his love for me. I believe God speaks in the frequency of love. So as a perfect, wonderful, loving father, he's speaking but if I'm tuned into guilt, shame, and condemnation, I'm not going to be able to pick up that frequency of love. But the more I tune into the love of God, then I can more clearly recognize His voice as it's speaking to me. Because all guilt, shame, and condemnation, all that stuff clutters up the sound. It impedes me from really hearing clearly. But the more that I'm convinced of how good he is, how much he loves me, how much he likes me, how much he delights in me, that sets me up to in a much with greater ease to hear his voice. Does this make sense? All right. Um, so here in just a minute, I want to I want to lead us into an exercise. Um, about that, but uh, I also, um, like I said, to me, the prophetic um, is, a, is a mystery I don't fully comprehend, um, but it's okay, because I've also realized I don't have to understand everything just to yield to it. How many married men fully, completely, absolutely understand your wife? Anybody? 100%? Have her completely figured out? Doesn't mean you can't enjoy your marriage. You're on a journey, still learning, growing, and understanding, okay? There's nobody who completely has the eternal, infinite, holy, loving trinity 
fully grasped. Nobody. But it doesn't keep us from engaging in Him, receiving from Him, delighting in Him, and receiving His delight in us. Okay? So I don't have to fully understand it. And... Um, So what I just shared to me is a foundational baseline for all of, all of it when it comes to hearing God's voice. Anything to do with the mysteries of the prophetic, I believe what I just shared, it's my personal conviction, like biblically, that's, that's where it's at. Um, I'll just share a couple quick examples. Um, and this is part of the reason why I say it's, it's, it's a mystery. Um, The, the, the examples I'm going to use, they are not in order of importance or whatever. They're just kind of random examples of some prophetic things that have happened. Um, so um, I, I, there was a ministry I ministered at in uh, Tennessee a number of years ago. And uh, I went back the following year, and this guy comes up to me, and he says, Hey, I just want to thank you so much when you gave me that word last year about this horrific pain and betrayal that was going to come into my life, that was going to be devastating when you prophesied that to me. I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, what? I mean, I'm listening, but I'm like, what? Like, I don't remember ever saying that. Like, not only do I not remember saying it, like, I, don't, I can't even imagine telling that to somebody. Like, hey, I got a word for you. Incredible pain is about to come your way. Hallelujah. Like, I don't usually go around talking like that. And um, to be honest, I still don't know exactly what happened. But this is what he told me. He said that there was a very close relationship um, that this person let them know about um, a, a deep, painful betrayal that had happened. Um, so when they acknowledged the infidelity, um, his heart was broken and devastated. He said, but what you shared with me set me up and prepared my heart to deal with it. Now, i got to be honest. Okay, for those of you who are used to preaching or teaching the Word of God, you probably know what this is like when you share something. You get up and you share an amazing message on Moses. Okay, it's like this is a powerful word on Moses. God gave me you teach on Moses and somebody grabs you afterwards in the parking lot and says, thank you so much for that word. All oh, that message on Noah and his ark spoke to me so powerfully. This was awesome. And you're like, yeah, I'm glad you were blessed. And you walk away going, I didn't even say that. What is it? <laughs> Again, I think just personal theory here is that people can tap into the voice behind the voice. And they're hearing what you're not saying, not because you're doing a terrible job or because they're just hearing wrong. It's because God is streamlining what you're saying. He's going, he's, he's going above and beyond what you're saying and speaking directly to their heart. And so, I, to this day, I don't know what I said to this guy. But whatever it was, he felt like it perfectly fit his situation and prepared him for that. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't have that figured out. I don't think I usually go around giving words saying, you're about to be devastated emotionally. I don't think I do that. But nonetheless, God ministered to him. Why? Because God's way bigger than 
any prophetic word, and he's certainly bigger than me. Thank God he transcends our limited ability. Okay? Um, I, was, I was in a state far away, yeah, last year, and um, um, it, I was surprised. All of a sudden, I felt this uh, prophetic anointing just kind of come into the room, and I had this, uh, I started giving this word over this guy. And he blurts out, after I gave him this short, general word, he said, who have you been talking to? I'm like, uh, just Jesus, I guess. He's like, did anybody tell you? He said, I haven't even shared any of this. Only my, only, it might have only been his wife, but like even his other family members, I think. He said, they don't even know about it, but this is what I've been going through, and this is what I discovered. Da, da, da. And I'm hearing him say that, and I'm thinking, what does that have to do with what I just said? Seriously, I'm like, I'm not seeing necessarily how what I just shared fit with that, but he thinks it does, and he was really ministered to. Okay, go God. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to relate to what I felt in my heart, but he's connecting it to this other picture over here. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in that area, and I don't even know how you connected, but if you connected, okay, fine. These are mysteries I don't comprehend. I'll give you another example that, again, I will tell you, as I mentioned yesterday, I'm not a Calvinist. And that's okay, because neither was Jesus. But um, so my, my wife and I, we were um, very good friends for, uh, wait, sorry, that's not to imply we're not good friends anymore. We're still really good friends. But... We were only friends for a number of years when we first met, and um, it's a long, complicated story. Won't get into all of it, but I will just say this, is that um, trying to figure out what God, I was nervous about marrying anybody, and um, I had my own issues with that, but uh, so we were really close friends, and uh, trying to figure out what the future is to look like and and asking, really asking myself, asking the Lord, okay, God, what do you want to do with this relationship? I'm not sure what to do, but I wasn't like ready to commit to going all in on a marriage relationship just because of the of where I was at. Anyways, so this wonderful woman of God, Sandra Collier, um, she one day, she tells uh, my friend, Beth, she said, oh, oh, I believe the Lord is bringing your husband very soon. And he's tall and has dark hair. <laughs> now, I had hair at the time, but I've never been tall, okay? <laughs> and it wasn't that dark either. And so I heard about that word. And you know what my response was? Dang it. I don't want some tall dude stealing her. Exactly. I'm like, I better marry her. I better get with it. So I said, look, we've been friends for a long time. I don't know if this is going to work or not. Let's just go out on a date. We'll go out on a date, and either it's going to feel like really awkward going on a date with someone you've been such good friends with for a long time, or it might feel really natural and wonderful. So after like the first date, I knew, okay, that's it. We're going to get married. So after the first date, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to save up for the ring. And we got married, really, just a few months later. Um, 
It wasn't until years later that I looked back on that and thought, oh, wait a second. That's how I responded to that word? But if that was really God, then I was interfering with his plans. Is that a right response to a word? Here's, again, just my personal theory. I'm convinced that God set me up in that scenario. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think we ought to try to, if we're going to prophesy, we ought to try to do it accurately, okay? I'm not tall, never had very dark hair, and today I don't even have any hair, okay? I think we ought to try to, you know, be accurate in our prophetic declarations. But I just happen to think, I'm, I'm not saying Sandra got it wrong. I think God led her to give that word that's exactly what I needed to push me over the edge, to get me into my destiny. And I have no regrets. I'm so thankful that I married my amazing wife. That's part of the reason why I say I think these are mysteries I don't fully comprehend. Um, one of the challenges with the prophetic is, um, well, let me say this, is that um, we were talking somewhat at lunch about a prophetic church, prophetic culture, and um, I think if we're going to have a healthy prophetic culture, I think one of the things we need to know is that nobody is obligated to agree with your prophetic word. That gets really unhealthy if you are offended if you're upset that somebody doesn't believe that your prophetic word is really from God. We are told, Paul tells us in the New Testament church to judge prophecy. And even if I'm wrong in my assessment of your prophetic word, the fact is, as an individual believer, I have the right and the responsibility to judge that word if you're giving me a word. And even more so, if I'm in a position of leadership at a church or a ministry, if you're coming and giving me a word for the church and I'm in leadership, I have to sift through that. And I can't just, Dave talks about this a lot, of, he learned early on of recognizing that I can't just abdicate all of my responsibility as a leader just because you gave me a word. Like as the senior leader of, of our church, God speaks to him, sets the vision, let's go after this, and God can confirm or redirect in different ways, potentially with different prophetic words, but he's not going to just do a 180 just because you said, hey, I feel like, pastor, I think the church is supposed to go this direction now. The problem is you can get someone else the next week to give him another word that says, here, do another 180 over here. So it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that the senior leader, okay, leadership in a church, you're responsible for the vision and the direction of the church. And you can't just go on a whim of what everybody says when they get all these different prophetic words. Um, and on an individual level, I can't, I'm responsible for, to steward my own heart, my own life before the Lord to fulfill God's will for my life and to live in the destiny God has for me. And I can't abdicate that to you just because you give me a prophetic word. Now, can God confirm some things through a prophetic word that you give me? Yes, absolutely. 
we can strengthen and encourage, and God can bring clarification to all of us about what God's called us to do by a prophetic word. But that has to be judged. And if you're not willing to have your word judged, then you need to, I don't know, I would say probably just get your heart healed up so that you can handle that. that just because someone rejects your word doesn't mean they're rejecting you. And so I might have a gift. I might have a prophetic gift, perhaps. But my identity is not my gift. So you can reject my gift without rejecting me. Easier said than done, but nonetheless, I still believe it's a true principle. Is it making sense? So um, last little story. Uh, years ago, uh, again, at lunch, Pastor Dave was talking about how we would do this prophetic training on Saturdays and um, uh, this is in the early days when we were doing that training. Well, so Sunday morning, this guy shows up at our church, hadn't seen for years, and he's at our church on a Sunday morning. And the, the pastor who was our children's pastor at the time goes over to this guy and gives him a word and says, hey, I just feel like God's telling me that um, he wants to restore you to your family. And the guy looks at him and says, and he might have even said, like, wife and kids. I'm not sure how he phrased it. But basically, he wants to restore you to your family. He's like, I don't have a family. <sighs> the children's pastor was, like, so bummed out. And after the service, he grabs Pastor David. He says, man, I don't get it. Man, I, I was sure I heard from God accurately. And I give this word to this guy about God restoring his family. And he's like, I have no family. I missed it, but I was so convinced it was from God. Well, what this guy, what the children's pastor didn't know is that it, it was somebody that Pastor Dave had known over the years. And he said, yeah, the reason why he said that is because he left his family. He abandoned his wife and kids. And here was a perfect opportunity. He shows up at our church, and God gives him the grace, this opening to say, hey, even though you left your wife and kids, I want to restore you. And unfortunately, he didn't step through that open door. He just de denied it, even ever being a husband and a father. So that part is tragic. The good part is that our children's pastor didn't just stew on that and go, man, I blew it. I'm such a failure. I thought I heard from God, and I didn't. What he did was is he sought somebody out, and specifically his senior pastor, to say, hey, I think I blew it. It feels really awkward. And he got some feedback, and in this case, clarification, go, no, you heard right. It just he didn't receive it. So, um, like I said, those are just random examples. They're not necessarily in any particular order, but just different ways that, um, to me, that can be mystifying of how God speaks to us and through us. But at the end of the day, let me just, well, wrap it up with this. At the end of the day, um, when you look at, um, and I do believe that prophetic ministry is different in the New Testament uh, church than it was from under the Old Testament, but um, but when you look at the Old Testament prophets, so many of them, they just faithfully trumpeted and declared what the Lord was saying, and so many of them were rejected in their day and in their time. Again, I think New Covenant prophecy is different 
But I think the principle that we can learn from the Old Testament prophets is this. Just be faithful to say what God says and leave the results to him. Bottom line. Whether that's an individual word. If I go to somebody and say, hey, I feel like God might have this word for you. I, I feel like God's speaking this to you. Or I go to give it to a, a pastor. Or a, I'm, I'm prophesying to a movement of churches or to a nation. Either way, bottom line is just obey the Lord and leave the results to him. I'm not required to fulfill your prophetic word. I am required to be obedient to speak whatever God's saying. And then that's between you to judge. And if you feel like it's from God, then that's for you to figure out how to manifest that, live that out, and cooperate with the word of the Lord. Just making sense? Anybody have a problem with that? Anything that's heresy so far? Okay. Any heresy hunters here? Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and stand, and I want to just conclude with a, a simple exercise. I, a lot of times we, in, like we, I think we said up front that this, these couple of days that we have is a condensed version of, of the school we've done in different places over the last 10 years or so. And um, a lot of times we'll do a session specifically on words and knowledge in healing. Um, and we just went a different direction today, okay? I just wanted to share kind of the baseline when it comes to the prophetic. And hopefully, while we acknowledge that there's mysteries to the prophetic, that the foundational piece is not too mystical. It is, we are sons of the Most High God, and as a good father, he speaks to us, okay? Um, so, uh, if you, um, when it comes to words of knowledge and healing and that connection, um, I'm not going to talk about that, but I would encourage you, if you get a chance, ask Dave, ask Pastor Dave when he comes back later about ovaries. Just throwing that out there, okay? <laughs> Just ask him about ovaries. Just throwing that out there. If you get a chance, even better yet, if you take a little video when you ask him that question so I can see what his face looks like when you say it to him. Okay, here we go. Just pray this with me. Father, I thank you that I'm your child, that you love me, and you like me, and you delight in me. You've made me compatible with you. It's the most natural thing to hear your voice. Thank you that I hear you, Papa. You're a good father. You've made me to be your good son. And I hear your voice. You love to speak to me, and I love to hear you speak. Thank you, Father. I want us to just wait. Just close your eyes. I want us to just wait on his presence just for a moment. This isn't about me with a microphone prophesying. I just want you to just wait on him for a moment.
and see if you can just hear the whisper of his heart to you. Sometimes when God speaks, it's just one or two words. Sometimes it's really simple, but it's exactly what we need. Because as a good and loving father who knows us really well, he knows exactly what we need. Even if you felt like you just perhaps maybe heard even the slightest whisper of God speaking to you just now, would you just raise your hand? Okay, you can put those down. And if you didn't, I want to encourage you with this. God's speaking. And no matter what you heard or felt you heard or thought you might have heard in this moment, He's a speaking father, and he loves you. See, that's why I start off by praying, God, I thank you that you love me, you like me, you delight in me, because that's the foundational piece. So no matter what you think you might have heard, the foundation is thanking him for his love, because you are loved. That's a true word from God, that you're loved. That's the centerpiece. So I know what it's like to be called out in front of a group of people and have a prophetic word given to me. I know what it's like to have internationally renowned prophets prophesy over me in front of a crowd of people. But I tell you, there's nothing like hearing the voice of the Father for yourself. Like, all that's cool, but man, there's nothing like me and Papa and just having the Holy Spirit take what's in the Father's heart and whisper it to me. There's nothing like that. I bless you to live in an awareness of your sonship and knowing that you were created to hear his voice. He loves to speak to his kids. All right, Pastor Dave just walked in, so I'm going to wrap this up, and we'll take a break. Dave, when do you want us to start back up? Ten minutes. Take a ten-minute break.